Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week I bring on a guest with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I have come to trust with my wellness, and they have a brand new product line that is just relief, and I've been dying to share it with you. One of my all-time favorites has quickly become their new Happy Gummies. It's H-A-P-P-I, Happy Gummies. These little gummy friends are infused with kava kava to soothe anxiousness, green tea to improve your energy, and a special blend of ingredients to help boost your mood throughout the day. They each come in 10 or 20 milligram doses to reduce your stress, your restlessness, your insomnia. And of course, it's in the sweetest and the tastiest of ways. So your friends at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for money off of your order. It's 15% off, if not more, depending on the week. So just head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get into this week's episode. There are no hacks. Imagine if I said to you, hey, look, I just swipe right on Tinder. She swiped right too. Look at this girl. She is my new girlfriend. You say, Mark, you're insane. Just because she swiped right does not make her your girlfriend. And yet, how many times do we say, ooh, I got this business card or I connected with this person on LinkedIn. He's in my network. It is the same issue. We just seem to have different standards. Now, of course, if I do swipe right on someone on Tinder, well, what's the next step? You say, it's not a relationship. He's not your girlfriend, but you can build that relationship and we call it dating. With your professional relationships, it's not dating, but you can build that relationship as well. You can engage with the other person, develop the relationship over time, and that's how you build it. And that's really all networking is. It is about relationships. U-Turn podcast friends, guess who? It's Ashley. And I am here with an author, of course, of a book that I feel is so critical in today's world. Um, I wanted to bring onto the show, Mark Hirschberg. So Mark is the author of the career toolkit, essential skills for success that no one taught you. He was educated at MIT. So obviously he has, you know, some gifts going on in that brain. He spent his career launching and fixing new ventures and startups, Fortune 500s, academia. He's developed new software languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and he's even tracked criminals and terrorists on the dark web. So it looks like Mark and I have plenty of interesting random things in common. And he also helped create the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, which is MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he's taught for 20 years. He's an expert on leadership, networking, negotiation all of the things that we need to know right now. And I wanted to do an episode with him on how you can 
create a career plan. You know, we are very much so in the world of thinking about our goals and the new year. And I thought, what better time to have an episode about this? Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share some of these techniques with your listeners. Yeah, I, you know, I'm curious what got you into leadership? Is that, is this something that you've thought about for a long time? Um, tell me a little bit about this interest that you have. It wasn't planned, but as we'll discuss, your career plans can and should evolve. Mm-hmm. When I began my own career, I came out of MIT and I wanted to be a software engineer. I started down that path. And pretty soon I realized I wanted to become a CTO, chief technology officer, the person who oversees all the engineers. I realized that to get that job, it wasn't just about being the best engineer I could be. It required other skills, leadership, team building, hiring, all these other skills that no one taught me. So I had to develop them in myself and very quickly realized these skills are not just for the executive team. These skills benefit everyone, even the most junior members of the team. And I started to upscale my team. Around this time, MIT had gotten feedback from the companies who hire our students. And they said, there are a whole bunch of skills we want to find. Leadership, communication, team building, negotiating. But we can't find these skills in anyone. No schools are teaching them. We can't find in the workforce. So at MIT, they want to put together this program to start to instill these skills in our students. When I heard about it, I reached out and said, oh, well, I've been working on this with some of my team. Can I help? And so I helped create that program. They then asked me to teach, and I've been doing that for the past 20 years at MIT and teaching similar things elsewhere. And now, of course, I put out the book and speak about it. I love that you allowed your career to unfold, and it feels so fun to talk about that as we're about to talk about creating a career plan, because I myself have felt kind of allergic to this idea of having a five-year plan. Um, because we change so much. Like, I don't want to be who I am in five years with who I am today. And I know that we all have different key skills that we can think about harnessing over time. You know, like it's a dream of mine to write a script for a film and all these different things that somehow relate to my skill set. So I'm curious, um, what is your take on the five-year plan? And I mean, it sounds like you're probably in favor of it, given that we're talking about how to create a career plan. And what are some things that we need to start thinking about in the new year when it comes to creating a career plan? Well, let's think of the following scenario. Imagine you are running a team or a company and you say, okay, team, we've got a really big project. This is make or break for the company. We've got this giant two-year project that we have to succeed at. Are you guys ready for it? Okay, but listen, I don't want you to create a budget. I don't want you to create a project plan. Let's just wing it and see where we are in two years. Mm. That's insanity, right? We never do that. But we do that with our careers. And our careers, of course, last longer than two years. Not having a plan greatly increases your chances of failure. Doesn't guarantee success, but it nearly guarantees failure. Mm. So what we want to do We want to think about our career plans, like our project plans. We want to start with that goal in mind. Where do you want to be in, I even say, 20 years out? Have that plan and backtrack. If you want to be here in 20 years, where do you need to be in 15, in 10, in five? So you create that plan. Now, just like that two-year project plan, you're not detailing out every day over two years. You say, here's what we're doing the next 60 days. And then we've got some placeholders further out. That's a little fuzzier. And here's the other important thing. You don't say, well, here's our two-year plan and 400 days into it, say, oh, 
things have changed, but it's too bad. We wrote down the plan. I guess we're stuck, right? You'll obviously revise the plan and we can do the same thing for our career plan. So as you start the new year, make a calendar note, put twice a year, every six months, 30 minutes on your calendar, sit down and think about my career. I'm asking for 30 minutes every six months to think about what is so critically important to your lifetime success. Okay, so, you know, it's interesting, right? Because our career is so important to us, we spend so much time on it, and yet we don't put the intention or the time aside to really think about it. And I think a lot of that reason is because in the corporate world, a lot of it, even though it's in our control, feels like it's not in our control. Like when we get promoted, whether somebody will promote us, um, if that role that we want opens up by the time it's time for us to appropriately move over. Um, what is your take on job hopping? And what are some new trends that you're noticing in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic when it comes to careers and job hunting? Job hopping may or may not make sense. And the way to understand that is to look at your career and say, well, where am I trying to go in the next couple of years? What's that short-term plan? Is the job I'm at today, will that meet my needs, my development needs? That might be more money, but it might also be growing in a certain way or gaining certain experiences. How much will my current job take me there or the opportunity to switch to a different team or get this promotion of this company? How much will that take me on my path versus the other options out there? Keep in mind, of course, there's also issues such as you have to show some longevity at a company. No company wants to hire someone who seems to change jobs every year. And if you've been job hopping the last three years, maybe it's time to show some stability. That's something you have to demonstrate as well. If you've been at your last couple of places for five years each, you can stand a little volatility in your current job if you're trading it for some other skill. To your second question, what trends are we seeing? People are finally starting to ask questions beyond just how much does this pay or what is this particular job title? They are waking up to the fact that your job needs to provide more than just a paycheck. And it is a part of your larger life and making sure your job fits into your life plan. Your career plan needs to support your life plan. You can't just say, well, I planned my career and now let me fit my life into it. It goes the other way. And people are starting to ask those questions. Are you a solopreneur or an entrepreneur who is tired of trying to figure out how to grow or even manage your email list? Years ago, I started using ActiveCampaign for my email CRM system, and I have come to find it is literally the only email marketing software that I'm going to use. I mean, let's be real, as a creative person or an entrepreneur, getting lost in the weeds of setting up your email campaigns and technology or automations is such a buzzkill. So with ActiveCampaign, you get real customer service, you get real care. That's why I reached out to them for this ad, and you're going to be able to execute your email content marketing strategy in a way that saves you time, money, and of course generates more revenue for your business. Monthly subscriptions start as low as $9 a month, making it really valuable to fit within your business budget. And if you head on over to ashleystall.com slash active to sign up, email us so I can gift you a free business coaching session with me. 
That is right. I want to give you a free business coaching session to talk about email list and marketing as a way to thank you for using my affiliate link with Active Campaign. Again, it's ashleystahl.com slash active. And over the next five days, if you sign up through this link, we are also gifting you access to the recordings from my Limitless You Live seminar. It's a six-session weekend seminar that I had hosted on how to get crystal clear on your business vision, upgrade your confidence, and launch or scale your side hustle. Again, all you have to do to claim the session and the free recordings from the program is head on over to ashleystahl.com slash active and forward your receipt to ashley at ashleyinternational.com. And from there, we'll get you set up with the program recordings, the business coaching session, and all that jazz. Again, that's ashleystahl.com slash active. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Okay, so, you know, as I'm thinking about not just trends, but... Um, the reality that people change and, you know, they want to grow. What are some key skills that you are, I don't know, working with in your classroom or in your virtual class, depending on where you are with MIT, that you think are so important for people to start harnessing right now in such a quickly changing world? These skills come from, again, feedback we've done from companies. These are the skills companies say they want. So they're not ones I just woke up one night and thought, this sounds important. The skills include having a career plan, having some direction of where you want to go, negotiating, leading, managing. And leading and managing, by the way, are not title specific. It's not, well, right, they want senior people. They want everyone, no matter what your title is, your experience level, to be a leader and to be able to manage other people. There's also communication skills, team building skills, being able to effectively hire your teammates. That's an important but overlooked skill and ethics among some of the more popular in-demand skills from companies. So one thing that I know a lot of people can get caught in like a trap is that they take things or do things just to quote unquote, add to their LinkedIn profile or add to their resume so that they look and position themselves in a certain way for the market. And meanwhile, they're feeling kind of dead inside. Like they're stuck in, you know, they perceive themselves as stuck where they are because they are using it to get somewhere else. What is your take on how that goes with fulfillment? Like walking that line between I should stay in this role because it looks good and I should leave this role because that feels better. Like how, how do you balance those two realities? The key is to have that global strategy, that long-term plan. Where am I going down the road? In mm. college, all of us probably suffered through some class we really didn't like. But we said, well, you know, I'll live with it for a semester because that gets me the college degree and I know the value of this college degree. That was a very reasonable trade-off for us to make. We did not, however, say, well, I'm going to major in something I hate and spend four years doing it because that's not worth the trade-off. So it's perfectly normal if you have to do a certain project, be in a job, do something to develop that skill set that's going to optimize and lead to long-term happiness. But you have to have an understanding of the value of that happiness down the road, the chances that you will actually get that happiness once you go through whatever challenge you're facing, and if that's worth the short-term discomfort or dislike that you're taking in this role and for how long. Mm. Only you can answer that. 
Okay. Yeah. It is a very personal matter. And I think a lot of people will look at their career and say, you know, look for feedback and not listen to themselves. So I think it's really encouraging for you to say that. Another thing you talk about is creating a long-term plan by backing up from short-term plans. So can you talk a little bit about how to actually create those plans so that anybody listening after this episode, they can sit down with their pen, sit down with their paper, start to brainstorm and actually go backwards into what they need to do short-term. I go through this in a lot of detail in chapter one of the career toolkit, but here's how to think about it. If you want to do a cross-country trip from New York to San Francisco, you're not just gonna say, well, we're here, drive west. What do you do? You pull out a map. This is before you had a GPS telling you turn by turn. In, in the old days, you'd pull out a map and you'd say, okay, well, here are some major highways. Here are some pathways that we're going to go through. And you look at some of those major steps, you know your destination, you look at the major pathways, and then you start backtracking from the, the particular routes that will take you into San Francisco, as well as forward tracking for some of the major routes that will take you out of New York, and you find ways to link them up. Now, along the way, you might say, you know, let's stop in South Dakota to see a friend of mine. That might not be the most direct route, but that will be an interesting stop. Your path doesn't have to be linear. If you're dying to get to San Francisco, if you're dying to get to that role, okay, find the fastest route. But don't be afraid to say, well, here's a really interesting job along the way. It might not take me directly there, but I'm going to enjoy it. And this is the opposite of what you just asked me, where you're doing a trade-off of it might not totally set you up to where you're going, but you're going to enjoy it in the short term. It might be a worthwhile trade-off. Okay. And also um, you talk a lot about revising as you go. And I'm so for that, especially if somebody who wrote a book called U-Turn and has a show called the U-Turn podcast. I love revising. I love experimenting. Um, what message do you have for someone right now who is thinking about making a career pivot and they're not really sure um, what that first step should be to make it happen or whether they should do it? Maybe they're buying into the belief that it's too late or you know they, they should do it. So curious what your take is there. The good news is you don't have to figure this out yourself. There are many people who have gone down that path before. And to continue with the travel analogy, if I'm going to a foreign country, what am I going to do? I'm going to ask people I know who have been there. Can you recommend where's a good place to stay? What are good things to see? You've been down this path. The same thing is true for our careers. There are people who have gone down that path. Maybe not the exact path, but they are where you want to be. And ask them. Please tell me about your career. Tell me about your job. First, learn about if you're thinking of this pivot, if you're thinking of this turn, or even going straight ahead, find out about where you're headed and make sure that's where you want to go, right? We've all heard, ooh, that doesn't sound as interesting as I thought. So make sure it's where you want to go and then ask for advice on how to get there. They're going to tell you, well, these days you really need this experience or this skill set or this training, and that's helpful to know. So you can focus on what's going to give you the best return on your time and get you there fastest. Mm, okay. And, you know, I know also in your book, you, you write a lot about working effectively with other people. And I know that human dynamics are probably one of the biggest reasons people leave jobs or stay in jobs. So um, do you have any insight on how, I'm sure you have plenty, but how to get the most out of your job, um, how to create better results or even just how to position yourself as invaluable. Because I know right now we are in a time, especially with remote work, where people are thinking to themselves, how do I stand out when I'm at home behind my computer 
or when the applicant pools are so competitive? Um, what thought do you have there? This is a really interesting topic. I cover it in chapter two, working effectively. We have been trained to answer questions. If you think about what we did throughout school, throughout college, we were told, here's a question right in the answer. Literally, there is a blank spot for the answer. And often at work, that's what we do. Can you add this feature to the software? Here's the answer. I'm writing the code. Can you get me the TPS report? Here you go. Cover included. But the people who really succeed don't simply provide answers. They also begin to say, what questions should we be asking? And we think, well, that's what the CEO does. That's what the board does. That's leadership. That's strategy. But all of us at each level need to think about what are the questions. Answer the questions asked to you, but then figure out what are the questions not being asked. Mm. How are you generating value? Because those are the questions that will lead you there. Mm. Okay. So I know right now with the great resignation, you know, more people are quitting their jobs than we've seen in like two decades, which is insane. And I'm curious what your take is on what's going on and what insight you have for people who are in the job market right now, interviewing, wanting to stand out, wanting to get offers. Um, like what is your take on the great resignation and what do you have to say about, um, you know, just like interviewing and standing out during these weird times? We've got a couple factors all coming in, driving the great resignation. One is just some raw pent up demand the natural amount of resignations was probably suppressed last year because people said, you know, this is not the time to change. It's chaotic. We all know what the future holds. Obviously that varies by industry. We saw certain industries, massive layoffs and lots of problems. Other industries were booming, but by and large, there was probably less turnover last year. So some of it has been pent up demand. And of course, when other people leave, we have a little bit of a herd mentality. It, it, moves and kind of pushes the rest of us. Second, we're seeing a lot of inflation. In certain industries, I hear how people are getting job offers 30%, 50% above what they're currently making, particularly in technology that was already a hot space. So there's already with inflation, and we see, well, everything's getting more expensive, but hey, there's a great opportunity to up my wages. We see that thriving in as well. And then this third factor that we mentioned earlier, which is people are saying, wait a second, what do I want? Mm -hmm. That agreement of I will work for you and you give me a paycheck, people are really starting to question that and saying, I care about the value of my work. I care about the mission of the company. I care about the work-life balance. I care about the culture and environment. And it's not just about money anymore. And so people are starting to ask these questions. Companies are not used to having answers to them. So over the next few years, we're going to see companies wake up and start to address this as part of their corporate culture and hiring practices. Mm. And when you said that they're going to address it, what are a couple of things that you would expect companies to do about this? Companies typically sell you on, here is the job, here's how much money, maybe it's something else about stock options or benefits or excited. look at this cool office. But really going further, just as companies have started touting their CSR programs, their corporate social responsibility, they've started to say, you know, CSR, it's not just, oh, once a year we pick up litter, but they've made a commitment, they put money into it, they promote in their recruiting, look, we give back to our industry, our causes, this is who we are, these are our values. We're going to see them start to talk about 
these are the values we have in the work culture. It's typically been lip service. And by the way, something that we need to do as candidates, remember that when companies would ask you, well, do you know X? And you say, yes, yes, I'm very good at X. The next question is, well, prove it, right? Don't just tell me, show me. Give me an example of when you did X or how you learned about it or tell me how you think about it. Show, don't tell. And so all of us as candidates need to start holding the companies to the same standard and say, okay, that's great. You tell me this is good for work-life balance. Show, don't tell. Give me an example. Did you give people time off after a really big project? Do you let people take summer Fridays off? Do you have flexibility in certain areas? Don't just tell me you care about this. Show me, give me specific examples of how your company lives the values you claim to have. And I think we're gonna see a lot more push on that from candidates. Mm, okay. And, you know, this also kind of brings up the topic of leadership, like, you know, not just within the companies and how they're leading during such an uncertain time, but also how someone can really understand um, what it really means to be a leader. What are those skills? What do they need to show up with? What do they need to shift in themselves? Um, what are some common traits that you are seeing or behaviors in what you would say are leaders in today's corporate world? Rather than say, here is a list, because I don't think there's one definitive list, I'm going to give you an exercise you can do. Think of leadership as with sports. I typically use basketball as an example. If you say, well, this guy, he's a great basketball player. What does that mean? That is a combination of passing and rebounding and defending and free throws and a whole bunch of skills that come together. Now, any given basketball player might be stronger at one or the other, and that's fine. Everyone has their unique set of capabilities. Leadership is similar in that there's no one, if you do this, you are a leader. This makes you a great leader. There's lots of different combinations of skills. And leadership really is not a single skill, but a holistic combination of skills. So what you can do is right after this podcast, sit down and think of the people you admire as leaders. This may be people you know. This may be people you don't know personally, but know of. This could even be a fictional character from a movie or a book. It doesn't matter. Think about the leaders you most admire and then ask yourself, why do I admire this person? What are the things I admire about her? And start coming up with that list. And when you create that list, that's like saying, well, the best basketball players are the ones I look up to. They're really great at free throws. Okay, great. I want to get better at that. That's what I will train on. So when you come up with this list, you say, well, here's one of the things I really admire in these leaders. In fact, this is the most common trait among all of them I've listed. I want to develop that skill. Or maybe you feel you have that already. Go on to the next one. So focus on the components of leadership, which you define for yourself. Okay. And, you know, you write about so many different gems in your, in your book. You also talk a lot about how a modern team executes, whether that's communication, learning, meetings. We live in a world right now where I know everyone is feeling some sense of Zoom fatigue, meeting fatigue. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on those things, because I know how real they are and on everyone's mind they are, even just burnout in general. 
Zoom fatigue is very real and we need to find the balance. I think it's so new, we don't yet know much about it. Many of us had been doing video meetings before, certainly working in tech. I worked with people around the world. I was at a virtual company. It was normal to do Zoom meetings, but we weren't doing them for eight hours a day. And so we're just starting to discover, you know, this, this is not good. Really what comes down to is understanding the nature of our work and then what tools are best for it. Just like a carpenter needs to say, do I want to use the hammer or the saw or some other tool for this particular task? We need to ask ourselves for a certain task, what is the right way to approach it? For example, in tech, I'll give two types of meetings. We have our morning scrum, our daily stand-up, lasts a few minutes, and everyone just goes around and says, by the way, here's what I did yesterday, here's what I'm doing today. It's a quick, keep everyone in the loop of what's going on. That type of meeting can probably be done just without video. I've even had teams that want to do it over Slack. They just type in an update or they've done it by email sometimes because you don't need a lot of cell information. It's just, oh, I'm working on adding this or I'm attacking this bug, just kind of quick informational. That's very different that the team says, we need to come together and really rethink the entire user interface. You cannot do that through email or through an audio call. In fact, you probably don't even want to do that through Zoom. You really should be at the whiteboard together, right? Collaborating or looking at the same things and moving them around together. So we have to recognize that for a different need, a different tool is going to be optimal. And once you start to understand each of the things that you do throughout the day, you can start to say, you know, for this meeting, we can just do it on, on Zoom, but without a video or the classic, you know, this meeting could have been email. We don't even need the whole meeting for it. And so optimize the tool to the task. Love this. Okay. And um, I want to talk a little bit also, I mean, everybody, I hear the word communication so much these days. And as someone whose career is devoted to words, I obviously see the value in it, but um, you know, everybody has their own perception of any situation. Um, how can people, or what tools do you have in your book that people can read, use to become better communicators in their career? Because I feel like corporate world is just ripe with misunderstandings so often. It is. I get into a number of them in the communication chapter in the career toolkit. But one of the most important things I focus on is about mental models. Now, when we talk about communication, we could have 10 different books that cover 10 different topics and they're all great. And so there's, this is probably the broadest of the topics I cover, but I think fundamental to all types of communication, anything you do is the mental models we all carry. So consider the following. Imagine you have to pitch your idea to your, your manager and she is a very left brain person, hyper left brain hyperlogical, maybe even a little further along on the autism spectrum. How would you pitch that particular proposal to her? What would your approach be? It would be a very laid out, logical, step-by-step -step process going through all the details, all the possibilities in a way that she can just follow along and say, okay, I get it. Now imagine you're pitching the same idea to someone who is extremely right-brained, She's super creative, doesn't really like details. She's very big picture. How would you pitch that same idea? You're not gonna go through step-by-step, detail-by-detail. 
you're going to use a very different approach. You're going to sell the story, sell the vision, connect emotionally. And so that's just a very simple example of how we might differ our communication to a different type of audience. So I dig into this concept and go a lot deeper in the book about how to approach it, how to think about it, and how to do it. All right. Well, I mean, of course, this is not a career episode unless I ask you about networking and salary negotiations. So um, I feel like every career expert has some super tips for networking, especially right now that we're in such a virtual world. Um, what are some of your favorite hacks to building relationships, networking, and really growing your career because of it? There are no hacks. That's the message to take away. Consider the following. Imagine if I said to you, hey, look, I just swipe right on Tinder. She swiped right too. Look at this girl. She is my new girlfriend. You say, Mark, you're insane. Just because she swiped right does not make her your girlfriend. And yet, how many times do we say, ooh, I got this business card or I connected with this person on LinkedIn. He's in my network. It is the same issue. We just seem to have different standards. Now, of course, if I do swipe right on someone on Tinder, well, what's the next step? You say, it's not a relationship. He's not your girlfriend, but you can build that relationship and we call it dating. With your professional relationships, it's not dating, but you can build that relationship as well. You can engage with the other person, develop the relationship over time, and that's how you build it. And that's really all networking is. It is about relationships. There's no, oh, do this, and you get all these connections or followers, whatever. That's not networking. That's adding people to your contact list. And that is maybe step one of networking, but you have a long way to go. I mean, it's funny. I've heard some people in business groups say it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. Um, and it's, it, you were reminding me of that because sometimes it's like, oh, I talked to this person for four minutes. Now we're connection. And, and then you kind of burn the bridge by asking all these favors by someone from someone that you really don't have a relationship with. Um, so, I mean, I, I love your hack that there is no hack. And when it comes to negotiation, I know that we are in a world where the gender gap, gap is still very real and um, the numbers aren't lying. So it's so important, especially on a conversation like this one that I ask about it. Um, you know, I know people are going to have probably many job offers in their life. Um, so what are some tools, practice, best practices that you love to bring into salary negotiation? First is to learn to actually negotiate. I don't mean I read an article and therefore, you know, I'm going to try Oh, save this phrase. I mean, actually formally learn negotiations, read a book, take a class, or do something that will train you and give you experience. Consider the following. Imagine you are 25 years old and you have a job offer for $60,000. Instead of just accepting the job, you've learned a little about negotiations. You go and use some of the standard techniques and you negotiate for $1,000 more. And so you get $61,000. If you do nothing else, if you sit in this job for the next 40 years, you've just earned yourself $1,000 more for 40 years. That one five-minute negotiation just earned you $40,000. But of course, you're not going to be in that job for 40 years. You're going to have other jobs, you're going to have promotions, you're going to have raises. If you learn to negotiate, 
you can add five figures, even six figures to your lifetime earnings. And we're just talking straight salary. There's obviously lots of other ways you can be compensated, lots of other benefits. And negotiation will help you even beyond just that job negotiation. We negotiate all the time. So rather than say, oh, I just read this quick article that says do these three things, I recommend actually go read a book. It could be my book. It could be a number of other great negotiation books out there. In fact, I list a number of them on my website. You can take an online class. You can take a class at a local college, maybe a community center, but go and formally learn. Because if you invest even just 10 hours in reading a book or taking a class for 10 weeks, you are going to be so much stronger. And that is going to translate into a massive amount of money. If 10 hours could get you hundreds of thousands of dollars more in earnings, why would you not do that? So don't focus on, oh, here's a quick tip. Really actually learn it and practice it. Invest some time in it because it's going to pay off. Okay, final question is about peer learning groups. You talked about this concept um, as a tool to develop very critical skills. Um, can you share what a peer learning group is, how someone can create it, and what kind of skills um, you recommend people consider or use them for? We have traditionally learned through a broadcast model. Our teacher stood up and said, here's what to do. Here are the dates of the Civil War. Here's how to solve the quadratic equation. Write this down, memorize this. And that was fine in high school and college. And that's still fine if you're learning new knowledge. What are the new accounting rules for 2022? Yeah, here's a list. Listen to the webinar, listen to a podcast. But the skills that we have been talking about, like leadership, communication, negotiating, there's no formula. There's no do these three things and suddenly you are a master communicator. These are subtle skills. These are skills that take practice. This is more like learning a sport. You can't just say, I went to a class one afternoon and they taught me all about basketball and now I'm going to be a basketball star. You might learn a little from class or reading something, but then what do you have to do? You have to actually practice. You have to drill, you have to train. Now, unlike sports, we can't say, you know, I'm going to just practice leadership. Hey, everyone, I'm going to leave this afternoon and at the end of the day go, forget everything I did, do over, doesn't count, that was all practice. Right? There's no take backs in leading your organization or in negotiating. Yeah, oops, let's, let's pretend I didn't do any of that negotiation. But the way you can do it, the way we teach it at MIT and the way top business schools teach it is to use peer learning groups. This is something your company can set up or if they don't want to, you can set it up on your own. You can even do it, create a local meetup group, get other people from outside your organization. So what you wanna do is create groups of people. I recommend about six to eight people, but you can also scale it up and do larger groups. And then you come together, you engage with some content. You can read parts of a book. And yes, you can use mine for it. But if you don't wanna use mine, use a different book. Or you can use an article or a video Use a great podcast like this one. Listen to an episode or read part of a book, come together and say, okay, that was interesting. Now let's discuss it. Because it's in discussing the topic is as you talk about leadership. Okay, well, here are the three leadership tips. Has anyone tried this? What's worked? What hasn't? What are the realities? Because it's easy to say, oh, well, when you have a conflict with a coworker you can't resolve, go right to the CEO or you know, whoever the boss is. Well, okay, but the coworker of a conflict with is actually the boss's brother-in-law. So I don't know if that will work, right? That wasn't in the book. 
Well, you have this group of people say, you know, I didn't quite have that, but I had a similar situation. So what you're doing is you're taking the concepts you learn, but as you discuss them, you get into the reality of them, you get into the subtleties of them, you learn from other people's experiences. As you face a challenge, you can get feedback. And this is the equivalent of drilling and scrimmaging on these skills. And you can do it effectively for little or no cost. You can get free content out there and then have this discussion and training. You also help keep it top of mind because just like you wouldn't say, I went to the basketball clinic six months ago and therefore I'm good. No, you have to practice every week. You can't just say, I had some leadership two-day seminar six months ago, so I'm good, right? No, you have to continue to train and develop. And by having this regular cadence, say once or twice a month, you're going to help keep it top of mind and keep developing these skills, as well as forming new relationships with other people, which will help your networking. And there's a bunch of other benefits for companies as well. That's all listed out in the guide for how to do it. All right. Well, this has been so fun to ask you all these questions. I know a lot of people are in the new year's energy and they want to bring this in. Is there anything I have not asked you that you think would be really helpful for people to know? I'll mention there is also an app for the book. And there's a reason I did this, which is because whenever you read a book, you say, okay, wow, great tips, love it, but I'm busy, I'm moving on to the next book or my project or something else, and you forget 90% of it, probably even 99% of it. So I created an app. It's a free app on the Android and iPhone stores, the Career Toolkit app. And as long as you open it once a month, just so we know you're active, it's going to pop up every day at a time of your choosing one of the tips from the book. So it's going to help keep it top of mind because again, you can't just, well, I read it once or I had that seminar weeks ago, so I'm done. You need to constantly be thinking about it. So the app is free. It contains a lot of the content in the book and will help keep it top of mind. Thank you again for coming on the show, Mark. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week.